Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Father, we thank you also for the Word of God. I pray that you prepare the hearts of the people here today to receive truth that can inspire them and challenge them so that they can grow in their walk with you. We thank you for this brand new year as we enter this year, as we enter this decade, that you have a distinct purpose and plan for each of us individually and corporately as a body of believers. Help us, Father, to do something significant in this earth that will make a difference in people's lives, that will have a lasting impact, that will impact eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things we need to understand is, and this concept came to me a number of years ago, and that is that we need to commit and purpose and endeavor to live our life in light of eternity. In other words, it's simply placing eternal value on what you do. So much is temporal. So much is temporary. So much is not really important when you look at the big picture. And so many times we pour and invest so much in what's fleeting, what's passing away, and not that which is an eternal. And so my challenge to you is, is to allow God to cause eternal values to increase and enlarge in your focus and in your life as we enter this year. And um, prayer is, is a way to get an eternal perspective on things. Spending time in the Word, spending time with God is a way that we can get an eternal perspective on things. Um, tonight, I want to encourage you, young adult service. Um, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> and um, for the men, I, I, if I don't, I don't want to forget this. Normally, the second Thursday of the month, the men meet at Park Ridge Cafe. And we meet from 6 to 7, and we have breakfast. It's just one hour. I'll give a short little devotion. We'll share. Everybody kind of puts in their two cents. It's a great time. We have anywhere from 12 to 14 guys show up. So this Thursday morning, instead of Park Ridge Cafe, men, we're going to meet in the chapel over here at Stevens Point Christian Academy. And uh, Bob has agreed, Chef Bob, he's on staff here. He's a food coordinator, director. He does all the kitchen stuff, all the meal preparation. He has a team of people that work with him. But he's going to prepare some fast, friendly food for us. Not a heavy meal or anything like that, but we're going to meet and have a time for prayer. So if you guys can make it there at 6 a.m., 6 to 7, before you go to work, uh, if it works in your schedule, we'd love to have you there. All right? And the regular prayer time will be from 7 to 8 for anyone that can join us. And we'll be doing that Monday through Saturday. So uh, if you can make it on Saturday. And, and really connecting in prayer. Tuesday night prayer, 6 p.m. Uh, during the 21 days of prayer, make a commitment to be there at least for that as we gather as a body of believers and, and really call on, on the Lord and seek his face for our lives. So, now one of my, I'm going to make a statement. You can write this down. God is faithful. The, the title of this series is Generations 2020. But in this first particular message, I want to talk about the faithfulness of God. I, I really do. And one of my intentions this morning is to stir up your affection for God as we look at his faithfulness. I want to stir up something in you so that you can have a greater 
hunger to go after God so that it becomes a passion, not just an obligation, so that you begin to make decisions that will produce a greater value in your life, a greater experience in your life, a greater encounter in your life, so that you can really live life for its true meaning and purpose and experience the fullness of what God's intended for you. So many people never discover the purpose of God for their life, or they don't live their life to the fullest potential that they can. And, and my desire is for you to reach that potential because it's there. It just needs to be tapped into. So our, our theme verse kind of, you know, for this series at least, but it's something we're speaking as a directive for the year. And so you, we may come back to this from time to time, but it's in Psalms 119 verses 89 and 90. Psalms 119 is the shortest book of the Bible. Wrong. <laughs> it is the longest chapter of the Bible, okay? Um, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter of the Bible. It has almost 200 verses. Yeah. Um, but it's a good one. Turn to your neighbor and say, it, it's a good one, okay? <laughs> it might be long. And I'm not saying my sermon is going to be long today, okay? But it's going to be a good one, um, hopefully, um, if, if God helps me get through it, okay? But Psalms 119, verses 89 and 90. And this particular scripture reference has great meaning to me because when I was at Bible college, we had this one class was called sermons where we had to preach. And we were preaching to other students in the student body. We had like a two-minute introduction. We had to have somebody introduce us. And then we had a 10-minute message and a two-minute closing. And, and I, I was terrified to, for that class, you know, <laughs> because I'd have to speak before people. And I guess I, I still do that. I'm not as terrified now. I, I know God can get me through it. But anyway, this scripture was the text of my message back then. And, and so it has a great uh, meaning and relevance to me. But Psalms 119, verse 89 and 90, in the English Standard Version, reads this way. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. That word fixed means established. Verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. Now, we understand that if God has established his word firmly fixed in the heavens in regards to creation, I mean, his word is what holds this earth in orbit. His word is what holds the atoms in place and creation itself and everything about it. There's an order because of God who created it. And so it's realizing that if God's word is firmly established in the heavens, he wants it to be firmly established or fixed in our hearts and in our lives, okay? Uh, that's very important. Verse 90 says again, your faithfulness endures to all generations. It endures. That means it, it, it lasts a long time. Uh, this passage in the Passion Translation, the same 
passage reads this way, verse 90. It says, your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. So that all that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. See, we get a little bit of different picture from that particular translation. That's why I like the multiple translations. Because we can compare scripture and, and one translation may bring out something. It doesn't change the meaning, but it enhances our understanding of the meaning, okay? That's why it's good to resource and research things in different translations. And uh, always referring back to the Greek and Hebrew, but we're not going to go into deep theological study today. We're going to give you some stuff that can help you uh, grow in God that's relevant and foundational for your lives. So in the English Standard Version, we see the word endure, your faithfulness endures. In the Passion Translation, we see that his faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. In the NIV, the New International Version, it reads this way in verse 90, your faithfulness continues through all gener generations. You establish the earth and it endures. So in that Verse, it says it continues. His faithfulness continues. And then the New Living Translation, in verse 90, reads this way. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. So we see four key words in those four translations. His faithfulness endures. It flows. It continues. It extends. And so... For Generations 2020, which is kind of our theme that we're casting for this year, there's a continuance of what God wants to do. And, and this year, I believe, there's going to be a focus on generational transfer, that God wants to transfer something from one generation to the next, something that we need, something that we can receive, and then something we can impart. Because what we have received, we don't keep it for ourselves. We share it. We release it. We give it to those that are coming up under us. And I, I've been pastoring now. I'm going into my 36th year of ministry as the senior or lead pastor of this church. That might seem like a long time to some of you. It seems like it went by way too fast, way too quick. But this thing I know, I'm 62 years. I'm going to be 63 this year. I have to have a plan to release and pass something to the next generation. And that's why we're bringing younger people in this pulpit to minister the word. We're, we're doing a, a transfer, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm going to step back and not be a part of anything. I'm going to still be involved, but my role may change and your role may change. Other people from other generations are going to begin to do their part as they receive impartation, okay? And, and so uh, these are just a, a few thoughts here. Uh, another passage I want you to look at in Psalms 145, verses 3 and 4. This speaks of that whole generational thing. In Psalms 145, 3 and 4, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, we need to speak of what God's done in our lives to the next generation so that they can discover and come to know the faithfulness of God for themselves, okay? Uh, the Message Bible in Psalms 145, 4 
reads this way. Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. So what stories, what testimonies are you sharing that can inspire others? As we pass this thing on, as we're passing the torch, as we're sharing what we have, we can't just sit on it. We have to share it and release it to others that can be inspired by it. And so what is God doing in your life? Is it noteworthy to share with someone else? And maybe God's not doing a whole lot in your life. Well, that can change in a moment. That can change by making a decision to open your heart to Jesus and allow, and allow him to have his way in your life as he wants to. But you know, God respects your free will and he won't force himself on you. But when you open your heart up to him, he will take that opportunity and manifest and reveal himself to you. Because the God that we serve is a real God. He's, he, he's not just somebody that's detached from our life experience. He's someone that wants to get right in the middle, right involved with what we're doing. The promise is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's with us, faithful to the end. Okay? So, God's faithfulness. I, I laid out a few scriptures there, and uh, you can uh, write those down and refer to them later. For 2020, we will discover God's faithfulness, I believe, at a whole new level. So we'll be communicating it throughout the year. Because as we saw in the uh, one translation, it extends to every generation. No matter if you're an infant, a child, a teen, young adult, or a senior citizen, it extends to every generation. It doesn't get hung up in any of those age groups. No matter what season you are in, God is faithful in that season. You know, as, as uh, the season I am, we're saying goodbye to our moms and dads. Uh, they're moving on. They're uh, pr being promoted to heaven. And so uh, and that's a hard thing, but yet it's life, and life runs its course. And so, um, but God is faithful, even at the moment of death. God is faithful. So no matter what season you are in, God is faithful in this season. Now, one aspect of our focus, I believe, is to begin to display more and more of the concept of the limitless God that we serve. Because his faithfulness extends, it's far-reaching to every generation. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what will we give to the next generation that follows us? What will we give to them? Now, some of you that are younger, you might not be thinking about that unless you just had a baby born into your household as a young couple. You begin to think generationally, especially at that moment when you have this precious life that has been entrusted to you that you need to raise and train. You need to change their diapers, wipe their runny noses, you know, walk them through all the challenges of, of those toddler years, teenage years. And, you know, then, you know, when you have to actually go and let them drive and you are sitting in the car next to them trying to teach them how to keep the car in the lane, the right lane, okay? <laughs> you know, so there's all those seasons and, and, and transitions as children grow up. But you begin to think more and more generationally especially when you have children. 
So, now, King David, we understand, served the purpose of God for his generation. And one of the things we need to understand is we need to discover the purpose of God for our generation. The purpose of God is pretty consistent, but I think it changes in, in varying degrees depending on the need and the time that we're facing in history. In Acts 13.36, the scripture reads, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, he died and his body went under decay. But yet the testimony of David was he served the purpose of God for his generation. See, I want that to be my testimony. When they look at Matt Malik, they say, yeah, Matt Malik, he served the purpose of God for his generation. The question is, will you serve the purpose of God for your generation? Because there's multiple generations represented in this church auditorium right now. And um, I happen to be kind of on the upper end of things, uh, but I'm going to be around a long time. Just ask Mackenzie how long I'm going to live. 120 years. That's what she's believing God. Dad, I want you to be here for a long time. So, yeah. That can happen. I was in Africa, and there was a woman that was 138 years old, still living at home. And uh, now she's gone home to be with the Lord now. But that was phenomenal. She was healthy. She was strong. She was smart. I mean, she was a wise, amazing woman. Yeah. You might think 138 years. Yeah. So, are you texting that down? <laughs> okay. That's okay. All right. Announcement. Silence your phones. Oh, okay. I love you, Ben. All right. So... <laughs> There's some things I want to share with you. I'm not going to keep you real long this morning. One of the things we want to do this year is address the whole concept of creation. Because creation has a purpose and a function. And so how do we work with the culture to win the lost and not against it to repel them? And part of that is to help them to understand the true revelation of creation. Not some of these other theories that are out there that conflict or contradict with the Word of God. And so we want to talk about and build a greater understanding of what creation is and who the Creator is and how this world came to be. And um, there's a lot of ideas out there. Uh, the big contrast is evolution versus creation. Creationism, and, uh, you know, there's a whole lot in between that. But I believe that we serve the creator who created both the heavens and the earth. And it didn't evolve. It was spoken into existence. Spoken into existence. Oh, man. We could end right there. But okay. <laughs> anyway, I hope I'm not rambling this morning. Am I rambling? Okay. All right. See, we need to address current issues so that we are reaching the world, not alienating ourselves from it. And as a pastor, I believe it's my role, or at least partly my role, 
to help you to be able to communicate truth in a way people can receive it and not reject it. Because it's, it's how you prepare, how you present the truth that will determine whether they receive it or not. You can take the word and you can beat somebody up with it. You can, you know, condemn them with the truth. Or you can minister the truth to bring peace, strength, help, and comfort into their lives. And, and so, um, yeah, that's important. Psalms 33.11 says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So the plans of God are firm. They're firmly fixed forever. The purposes of his heart is throughout generations. It doesn't vacillate or change. You know, when I think about God's faithfulness, I think about a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. If you read in the book of Genesis, you can read about the life of Joseph. He was one of Jacob's sons. Uh, he was actually a favored son, which got him in trouble. Joseph was a man that experienced God's faithfulness in the face of persecution from his own brothers, rejection, being betrayed, sold into slavery, and ultimately imprisonment. And yet through all that, Joseph discovered God's faithfulness God was faithful to fulfill Joseph's dream of becoming a ruler and a leader of the people. He became the prince of Egypt. And God used him to bring salvation in the natural to a drought-stricken land. So if Joseph discovered God's faithfulness in what he faced, we can discover God's faithfulness in what we face. God is faithful. I hope you wrote that down already. <laughs> That's probably the main point of the message, okay? God is faithful. Merriam-Webster defines faithful as steadfast in affection or allegiance, firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty. Wow. What does faithful mean? It means to be loyal, to be constant, to be committed. God's faithfulness is actually a foundational aspect of his character. It really is. God's faithfulness establishes the foundation for us to love him, to obey him, to follow him, and to serve him. I'll say that again because I, I, somebody probably wants to write that down. God's faithfulness establishes the foundation for us to love him, to obey him, to follow him, and to serve him. So as believers, we need a revelation of God's faithfulness. And that revelation comes as we focus on his steadfast love. And, you know, I believe that an encounter with God's love will help you to discover his faithfulness. And that encounter with his love will transform your life. It will change you from the inside out. If you don't fully believe that God is faithful to lead you to live the best possible life that you could live, then you won't seek God's will. You won't trust him with your possessions or fully enjoy his presence. Do you believe that God is faithful to lead you 
into the best life that you can possibly live? You need to believe that. Because if you do, then you're going to seek him. Then you're going to search him out. In Hebrews 10.23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. That's speaking of God. The one who promised us in his word, what we see in his word, his promises, he's faithful to perform. He's faithful to bring them to fulfillment. Now, realize that one of the things we deal with as human beings is we are not always faithful. We've messed up, made mistakes. We've been unfaithful. We've been inconsistent. But even though we may have, God hasn't. God is faithful when we are not. Okay? And we need to understand that about him. 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So even if we're at a place where we don't have faith, God's going to remain faithful to his word. He's going to remain faithful to his promise. And there's times where you may feel like you've been unfaithful or you don't have faith. But that's when we look to him, right? First Thessalonians 5.24, and as I speak these scriptures, I want to instill in you a greater understanding of God's faithfulness. Because the word gives us life. It gives us understanding. The word of God is what builds our faith. The scripture tells us that uh, when we receive the word, our faith grows. First Thessalonians 5.24, it says, He who calls you is faithful, and he surely will surely do it. Whatever he has called you to, he will fulfill it. He's faithful to fulfill it when you submit to it. But you need to discover what he's called you to. And, and that comes about when you seek him in prayer. Lord, what's the calling that you have in my life? And a calling has to do with a job. A calling has to do with a purpose, a mission, an assignment that God would have for you. And, you know, many times we just like to choose for ourselves what we want to do. But we don't always take to heart or seek what God would have us to do. And in my life, there's times when I had an agenda. I had a track that I was setting, a plan that I was setting for myself but it was not in alignment with God's plan. And when I got to the point of frustration when my plan wasn't working and I began to seek the Lord, he began to show me his plan. And when I embraced that, that's when things begin to change in my life. And so maybe you've been, been seeking the wrong plan because you haven't taken time to get God's plan. Some people say, God, here's my plan. Bless it. And the Lord looks at it, I can't bless that plan. But the Lord hands us his plan. He says, here, this is my plan. It's already blessed. You don't have to pray for this plan to be blessed because it's from me. It's already blessed. And, and so maybe as you leave this place, that's one thing I want you to take away. 
Lord, what is your plan for my life? I want to know it. And I believe God will reveal it to you if you ask him and if you're sincere about it. So he who calls you is faithful. And there's a calling on all of us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, just backing up one verse, because really verse 24 is in response to verse 23. You might say, why are you reading it backwards, Pastor? There's a reason. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may God, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That word sanctify means to set you apart for his purpose. To sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 24 says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. And the what this passage is telling us is that God's concerned about your wholeness. He wants you to be a whole person because we're living in a broken world with broken people that need to be made whole. And God's in the business of making us whole, and we see that that's part of his plan, part of his purpose, that he is faithful. He's faithfully committed to, to make you whole, to sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body every part of your being so that you can be kept blameless and ready at his coming. So I wrote down in my notes the statement or this phrase, questioning God's faithfulness. Does it ever come into question because of unanswered prayer, hardship, or calamity? Many times we may question God's faithfulness. Lord, you let me down. Lord, you failed me. But yet that's our thinking. But is that reality? It's really not. And, and, and if you feel or question God's faithfulness, it's okay to question his faithfulness. But let that question take you closer to him, not drive you further away. Because often when people question God's faithfulness, they're walking away from God. They're not walking to God. If ever I question God's faithfulness, I'm going to begin to seek him more diligently in prayer because there's something I don't understand. There's something I don't see accurately. But when I spend time with him, I can begin to see things from his perspective. And I get a different outlook of the situation, of the circumstance. And then in the midst of that, hope emerges. And faith arises. And then I can walk through that moment of questioning with a greater understanding and come to the conclusion that, yes, God, you are faithful. I was at Michaela Schneider's funeral this past um, Friday at Woodlands Church. Pastor Doug's daughter of 22 years of age was killed in a car accident about a week ago. And it really came home to me. And Pastor Doug, he's also a police chaplain. We work together uh, serving the community uh, in the chaplaincy program. He's one of the chaplains. And so I know him from that. I know him as a fellow minister in our community. 
But his daughter passed away unexpectedly in this auto accident. I have a daughter, 22, and, and that bring, really brings it to home. What if it would have been my daughter? And, and there's a statement he said at the funeral, and I want to share it with you because it really spoke to me. He said, if what I know about God is true when all is well, then what I know about God will get me through when my whole world falls apart. And I believe the reason is, is understanding that God's faithful. Whether things are going good or whether everything's going wrong. See, God is faithful to what he promised. And as we close, I have a few scriptures to share with you in in light of that. God is faithful when we experience temptation. And all of us are going to experience temptation. And sometimes temptation gets the best of us. Sometimes we succumb to temptations and we give into the flesh and we sin against God. But this is what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, you're not the only one facing that similar temptation. Other people experience that temptation and it's a common temptation according to the word. So no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Notice the phrase, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, you either endure or you escape, okay? But God is faithful that he won't allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to overcome that. Why? Because he's going to help you through it. And see, that's a promise that you need to embrace for your life when facing temptation. It's real. It's true. It's the word. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Again, this verse starts out with the phrase, God is faithful. And it goes on to say, by whom you were called into fellowship, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's faithful in this calling to bring us into fellowship with his son. See, that's, that's an amazing thing because we have a relationship with Jesus. God's faithful to bring us into a relationship with his son. Deuteronomy 7, 9. In this Old Testament, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's faithful today, he's faithful. Uh, he was faithful then. So Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant. In other words, covenant is promise. He keeps his promise. And steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Wow, a thousand generations. See, you know, I have the assurance that if the Lord should tarry, to the thousand generations, you know, with my children, grandchildren, and on to a thousand generations, God's going to be faithful to every generation, okay, every generation. Now, the word 1,002, whenever it's used, it's also a sign of infinity because the Scripture also says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, if you start adding up all the hills on this planet, there's more than a thousand, okay, so that number actually means infinite, infinity. It's an infinite number. 
In other words, if it's 10,000 generations, God's going to be faithful to 10,000 generations. And guess what? It starts with all of us. I mean, my grandchildren, it's going to be 1,000 generations for them. So it continues and continues and continues. Okay? All right. First John 1 John 1.9. I can't close the service without sharing this verse. Because all of us have sinned. All of us were sinners and are sinners. But yet God is faithful. In First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. So you messed up, you sinned, you blew it. Sometimes people that sin, they run from God. They feel ashamed. They feel condemned. They feel unworthy. They feel unfit. It's, it's a horrible thing. Condemnation is a horrible thing. You feel filthy. You feel unclean. You feel despicable. How could I have done that? And sin has that effect on people's life. And it brings guilt. And so the world tries to medicate the guilt. And they try to justify the sin by saying, well, everyone's doing it. It's okay. Don't worry about the guilt. You know, you need to overcome those guilt feelings and just deal with that. But everyone's doing it, so why not do it yourself, you know? But yet the Scripture says if we confess our sins, confess means to acknowledge before God. To confess it. To speak it out. His response to your acknowledgement of your sin is expressing faithfulness in his justice to forgive you. See, there's this thing, it's a biblical term, biblical, biblical term, if I can get it out, called justification. And to easily define that word, it's what God did through the cross, through Jesus, to bring salvation and redemption to all of humanity. Justification in a way that we can really understand it in simplicity is just as if I never sinned. That's what Jesus brings to the table through forgiveness. When he forgives us, he forgets it. He cleanses us. He wipes the slate clean. And from a spiritual standpoint, it's as if we never sinned. Even though we have, we know it. We deal with the condemnation, the guilt. But yet forgiveness does a cleansing work in our lives which allows us to be able to come into the presence of God and to be part of his family. So, there's more I could share, but I, I think uh, I just wanted to maybe encourage you on the fast. If you haven't picked up the brochure, make sure you do that. And each January, we invite the body of believers here at Refuge and others who want to participate in a corporate time of, of prayer and fasting with the intent of advancing the purpose of God in our lives as we seek the Lord and dedicate ourselves to him. That's, it's really that fresh start. We're coming to God and laying our lives down before him. And the scripture we see in Matthew and Luke, uh, Jesus made a statement, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast, don't do it as the Pharisees and, you know, just Announce, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. I mean, corporate fast is different. We know we're, we're doing it, but there's times we, we don't necessarily have to broadcast it. But the goal of fasting is to 
draw closer in your walk to God. And really, it's to voluntarily deny the demands of this flesh. And it's maybe restructuring your day. And, and there's information in here. Uh, you can, there's links on the web, uh, on a website that you can go to. I have some teachings on fasting that will give you a scriptural foundation of it. But the biblical model that we use is found in the book of Daniel in chapter 1 and 10 of the book of Daniel. And he gives us examples of his personal fasting and the dramatic results that he received when he sought God through prayer and fasting. And um, let me just share this too. Um, To choose to fast is not a legalistic thing. So while it can become that, it's a choice that you make with an intent to draw closer to God, to seek his face. Uh, if you have any questions, when you read this outline, you know, there's people here in leadership that you can talk to or um, talk to us, and, and we can help guide you through this. But really, it's a personal thing between you and God. But yet, it's a corporate thing we do together. And I believe in our times of prayer, in times of devotion, we're going to begin to receive some things from the Lord. And, and some of you are going to get some dramatic breakthrough in your life. Addictions are going to fall off. New direction will come. You begin to see breakthrough and answers to prayer, things that you've been believing and trusting God for a long time. Uh, over the years, uh, in times of prayer and fasting, God's given me so much. He's helped me in so many ways, given me answers, direction, because there's times I just, you don't know what to do. You, you get in that place, and you just don't know what to do. Well, God has a direction for you. He has an answer for you. We see that fasting is really a spiritual discipline that provides an avenue for us to renew our spiritual commitment to serve God's purpose for our lives. Yeah, it really shows that you have a will to, to follow God's will and to surrender yourself more fully and let him work in your life. I'll close with this verse, Daniel 9.3. It says, so I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting. Yeah, that's a different translation. Let me read that one. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I don't recommend that. <laughs> that second part, <coughs> uh, see, that was maybe more culture, culturally relevant for the day. But if, if you put burlap sacks on you and ashes over your head, um, people are going to call 911. <laughs> okay. You can laugh about that, you know. I mean, culturally, that was relevant back then in the day. I mean, that's what they did. It was symbolic. But anyway, I want to take this moment and extend an invitation. And the invitation is for you to draw closer to God. Now, wherever you're at in your walk with God, that may mean something different. 
maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never really committed my life to Christ. The Bible speaks of a term called born again. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was one of the priests, he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus was a little confused because regarding being born again, he thought, you mean I have to go back into my mother's womb and come out a second time? And Jesus said, no, that's not it at all. What Jesus was referring to was a spiritual birth. See, it required a physical birth to enter this physical world. And what Jesus was simply saying in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, it requires a spiritual birth to enter into the spirit realm of, of the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus said, you must be born again. Because if we're not born again, we'll not see the kingdom, Jesus went on to say, or enter it. And to be born again is to allow Jesus to come into your heart and life, to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. To be born again is simply receiving salvation, a gift that God gives and has provided for all of humanity through the sacrificial work of Jesus when he went to the cross and died for you and died for me. He paid the ransom. He paid the penalty of our sins. He took the death that you deserved so that he could grant you life, the gift of eternal life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I know that if I were to die today, I'm uncertain whether I would go to heaven. I'm uncertain whether my life is right with God, but I want to make a commitment to Jesus today so that I know that I'm at peace with him. I'm willing to receive him and acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior, surrendering my life to him. If that's you this morning, and that's, that's a big decision, and if you're willing to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus today and give my heart to him. Lift your hand so I can see it. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. See those hands. We're going to all stand together at this time. Now, a number of you have raised your hand, and thank you for raising your hands because you've acknowledged your need for a Savior, your need for forgiveness. And so we're going to lead you in what I call a believer's prayer. It's a prayer where we put our faith in Jesus and trust him and receive him as our Lord and Savior. That happened to me at the age of 17 when my older brother prayed for me. And from that moment in time, my life changed because Jesus became real to me. I experienced his love, his forgiveness, his compassion, which I never thought I ever could, but I did. And from that moment forward, my life has changed and I've been in a relationship with him that's real, that's genuine. It's not artificial. So repeat this prayer after me. Everyone can pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I acknowledge my need 
I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Thank you, Father God, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. For those that prayed that prayer for the first time. That your gift of eternal life would flood their hearts. That they would experience and encounter your presence. That they would receive your forgiveness that they would come to a greater understanding of who you are and the plan that you have for their life. And Father, we pray for everyone else here. Father, that you would reveal a greater revelation of your faithfulness. For truly you are a faithful God, faithful to every generation. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now we're going to close with a song that talks about God's faithfulness. And as you worship God in this song, I want you to make some decisions because I believe God is speaking to some of you to make some decisions. And I want to ask you one question. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message this morning? What is it? Let that continue to minister to you as we worship him. The prayer team is going to be up here in a minute. But thank you so much for your tenderness to the word of God. God bless you. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.